Missouri fans want to know who the starting quarterback is going to be in 2023. Well, I'm starting to wonder if what kind of offense Kirby Moore prefers is going to have a big impact on that decision. So let's talk about Sam Horn, Jake Garcia, Brady Cook coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. Thanks for making this show your first listen and thanks for telling a friend to go to LockedOnMizzou.com to find your links to YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course Amazon Music where you can listen to this show ad-free as well. All of you are Prime subscribers. That is included whether you are aware of it or not. So check it out if you're tired of hearing my always excellent ad reads. If so, what's wrong with you? But no, seriously, that is an option for you. But of course, we've been talking a ton of basketball on this show lately. So let's talk a little football with a couple days to go before Missouri tips it off on the hardwood once again. And I've been thinking, of course, about the quarterback position. And I have to say, the one thing I noticed taking a little bit of a dive into what Kirby Moore did as an offensive coordinator last year for Fresno State, well, he seemed fairly adaptable. He adapted to whatever the circumstances were around his team and and for the opponent that week. So that's the good news. Now, I will say when it comes to the quarterback position, in some way, I'm a little bit less adaptable than I used to be. Back in the day when I was in college 20-some-odd years ago, I was always a sucker for the scrambling quarterback. So, of course, when Brad Smith came onto the scene at Missouri, I became basically his biggest fan immediately. Certainly one of his biggest fans. I think there were probably 35,000 or so other people who became his biggest fan at the TWA Dome in St. Louis that day. But my point is, is as I've grown older and as college football and football in general has changed, of course, well, scrambling is obviously that having that in your back pocket is obviously an enormous weapon, but it's less about to me these days being an actual scrambler and just having some type of mobility within the pocket and being able to just extend plays, not just being a statue in there that is waiting to be sacked. Essentially, if there's a pass rush, well, it's it's game, set, and match at that point. I thought JT Daniels, a guy that Missouri was recruiting as a, as a transfer this past offseason, the previous offseason, a guy ultimately went to West Virginia. Well, I thought that was kind of his problem. The former Georgia and USC product just didn't have enough mobility for me. And ultimately, I think, you know, West Virginia fans this past year would probably tell you he was just okay. And my point in bringing this up is I'm a little worried that Jake Garcia, the recent transfer from the University of Miami for Missouri, there may be somewhat of a similar issue here. From what I've seen, Garcia, certainly you see impressive high school numbers, high school rankings from him, a top 25 type national prospect, not just among quarterbacks, but among all players, according to some outlets. 
The guy clearly has incredible arm talent, but he doesn't run whatsoever. He's not a threat to run or scramble, and I'm a little bit worried that, that extending the plays is going to be a problem. Again, whether it was Jake Garcia, in theory, being Missouri's starting quarterback last year instead of Brady Cook, let, let's imagine that. Or JT Daniels, if you want. Either man, both guys, incredibly talented guys who were major prospects coming out of high school. But again, the problem is if you don't protect them, they don't really have a plan B. Or so it would seem. I would need to see more out of Jake Garcia. We've seen a lot out of JT Daniels over the year to come to this conclusion. To be fair to Jake Garcia, I do want to see what he looks like with an offense that isn't falling apart around him. Because obviously, if you paid attention to the University of Miami last year, the Canes had a tumultuous season last year, to say the least, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Couldn't get anything going, and, and most quarterbacks would struggle under those circumstances. So hopefully a little bit better Missouri offense. There's definitely a reason to believe the Missouri offense will be improved next year, but at the same time, the offensive line there was a question in all of 2022 for Missouri. Seems like it'll still be a question mark in 2023. Certainly entering the question, entering the season, I should I should say it will likely remain a question mark until they prove otherwise within the season during 2023. So the, what does that tell me? Well, it tells me that a guy like Brady Cook or Sam Horn, who can actually use his legs, is probably going to be more effective in whatever type of offense that Kirby Moore would like to run. Whether he likes to use design quarterback runs a lot, I just think the passing game will be better off regardless. And when it comes to those design quarterback runs, well, I'm not sure, just having not seen Sam Horn play as much as Brady Cook, if that's as much a part of his game as it was Cook's at times last season, especially after Bush Hamden took over the play calling duties at the maybe last fourth of the season or so. But I do think Horn can run for sure. So I do think he can buy time in the offense, buy time inside and outside of the pocket. Certainly has just as much arm talent, I would say, throwing 97 mile an hour fastballs and a pretty good breaking pitch as well as we saw the other day if you're a Missouri baseball fan. So I've got to think, if he's got the legs, too, he should have a leg up on Jake Garcia so far in spring practice, whenever that begins. Should be here pretty soon here in the next week and a half, two weeks or so, as the spring football game has been scheduled for March 18th, by the way. So get that on your calendars. Ultimately, as long as Missouri is good in 2023, I certainly don't care who the starting quarterback is. I don't think fans are really going to care either. The bottom line is wins and losses. Eli Drinkwitz is certainly familiar with that. And while Drinkwitz is a guy who's shown that he tends to favor the player who has the most experience, well, that would be Brady Cook. And obviously, he's got some injury question marks. Going to have to recover by August from a labrum surgery, shoulder surgery on his throwing shoulder, by the way. That's some that's some serious question marks with Brady still. So to me, the best outcome, while, again, ultimately don't really care who starts, we just want wins, if I'm going to prognosticate forward, as I often do on this show, well, I think the best sign 
for Missouri football fans in this spring is if it turns out Sam Horn has basically grabbed the bull by the horns and is the obvious first string candidate coming out of spring, at least at least compared to Jake Garcia. We'll obviously see where Brady Cook is this fall. But if the assumption becomes out of spring football, maybe he looks fabulous in the black and gold game. If it becomes that, hey, it's it's now Sam Horn's job to lose, well, that's probably a really good sign for 2023. And by the way, did you know that Nick honors two three-pointers in overtime the other night against Mississippi State? That's the first time a Missouri player has hit multiple threes in an overtime period since Marcus Denman did it against Kansas at home all the way back in 2012. So thanks to Tom Orff for that note. And anytime I can bring up Marcus Denman in that fabulous game, well, guess what? I'm going to take that opportunity. And for the rest of this show, I think I'm going to take the opportunity to answer some viewer and listener questions about Missouri basketball, including just how valuable the SEC tournament could be for the Tigers. So let's talk about that. But first, of course, we have reached the midway point of the NBA season, so that makes it the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win, so just download the Fan FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use as well. Plus, you can bet on all kinds of stuff, sides, totals, money lines, the whole deal. Tonight, of course, some big-time basketball coming back as the NBA returns from the All-Star break. You got the Cleveland Cavaliers given two and a half at home against the Nuggets, and the Philadelphia 76ers at home given three and a half against the Memphis Grizzlies. So a couple of big-time games to kick off your Thursday evening if you're a basketball fan. But you know what? No matter what you're into, FanDuel has you covered. And don't miss your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day. Also check out Locked On College Basketball for everything you need to know about college hoops in one place. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get finer podcasts. So how about some questions from you, my fine fans? And this one comes from Stacy. And he or she asks, I'm not sure if it's a he or I'm going to go ahead and assume he, since about 1% of my listenership is in fact female. Hi, Mom. Thanks for listening, as always. But Stacy asks, how potentially valuable are SEC tournament games to Missouri this season? Well, Stacy, to be honest, not as much as you might think. And even I, I think, have maybe been guilty of overemphasizing the double buy in the SEC tournament a little bit, getting that top four seed. Now, in terms of actually getting into the NCAA tournament, clearly if Missouri gets that fourth seed, well, they're going to be dancing. So that's the, that's the happy part of that. But when it comes to the SEC tournament, I think you can look no further 
than Texas A&M just last season went in to the SEC tournament nine and nine overall made a run won three games in the SEC tournament making the finals and yet was ultimately left out of the big dance so Obviously, those games looked at by the committee are not bonus games. They're looked at as just one more game, essentially. And not only that, it sure seems like in recent years, by about Saturday afternoon or so, the committee, for for better or worse, they seem to have more or less put in their votes, put the brackets into ink, and have kind of turned off the TVs at that point. Because certainly by Sunday, when the champion of the SEC is decided, well, there's not really a lot of impact there. It doesn't seem like. Now, it may have some impact on your seeding a little bit to some extent, but it just doesn't seem like it has as much of an impact on whether or not you make the field of 64 and or 68 as it used to. So that's what I would say. For instance, if Missouri happens to play Arkansas, and beats Arkansas, well, obviously that's a really good win. But it was a good win when Missouri beat Arkansas and Columbia. I don't know that it's any more special other than the fact that, yeah, it's a neutral site. It's not home. It's not away. So it's kind of somewhere in between. At least that's how most models and most observers, committee members, are probably going to look at it. So the idea, I think maybe in the past, I think if you made a, a deep run, even if you just got – into the championship game, something like that. You didn't actually get the automatic berth. It seemed like back in the day that was put, there was a little bit more emphasis put on these conference tournaments. But nowadays, it seems like it's just as important as a game in December, as Texas A&M found out last year. Also, I had a couple commenters on YouTube, one John and one Andrew, who took umbrage with my comparison of this year's team to the 17 and 18 Missouri Tigers, of course, Conzo Martin's first year, the Michael Porter Jr. season, if you will. And I was kind of surprised by the amount of pushback I got on that. In fact, John said that team sucked and that this year's team is, quote, light years better. And I, I just didn't quite understand that reaction there. I think that's a bit of recency bias to say the least there to act like that there's no comparing those two teams well quite honestly if you want to look at it objectively just look at the Ken Palm statistics well actually the 17-18 team was better right now Missouri currently 62 in those rankings again I'm not saying Ken Palm is the end-all be-all by any stretch of the imagination but that 17-18 team ended up 40th in those rankings, and there's an obvious reason for that. While this year's Missouri team, if you're going to say there's no comparison in terms of offense, well, I would agree. Certainly, this year's Missouri team is much better than a few years ago. Conzo's first team, we're comparing, obviously, Dennis Gates' first team to Conzo Martin's first team. Well, offensively, this team's much better, but Conzo's team was far, far better you could even say light years better in terms of rebounding and defense. And you put all of that stuff together, well, you've got an argument at the very least. Again, I'm not saying the Ken Palm thing is the end-all be-all. I just think there's a real argument there one way or the other. I just think the idea that, well, one of these teams was light years better than the other, 
come on now, let's take it down a notch. I know we want, I know we're really excited about Dennis Gates and we soured on Conzo Martin eventually, but let's not that completely cloud our memories. And after Aiden Shaw didn't get off the bench in Missouri's previous game, again, despite the depth issues I've talked about quite a bit, well, zero minutes for Aiden against Mississippi State. My old buddy Mike from KC wants to know if Missouri fans should be concerned about this development. Well, I'll answer that question right after these quick words. Well, again, Mike from KC, my old buddy, asks, should we be concerned about Shaw getting no minutes? And quickly on Twitter, I just said, nah, he's going to be really good. Well, allow me to expand upon that just a little bit because the reason I'm not concerned is because, well, there's been one guy that I've kind of compared to Aiden Shaw this entire time. A lot of it's athletic profile, body type. Some of it's personality, I suppose, though that's probably going a little far. More like just athletic profile and body type. And that's Lawrence Bowers. Of course, if you're a younger Mizzou fan, you may not remember Lawrence 100% well, but of course, Lawrence still bopping around campus these days quite a bit, of course, doing some NIL work on the side for Missouri. But all the way back in 2009, that Elite Eight team, team finished third actually a three seed in the NCAA tournament. I said I should say this is all the way back in the Big 12 days, of course. Well, Lawrence Bowers actually played fewer of a percentage of minutes than Aiden Shaw has so far this year. Well, guess what? Lawrence Bowers turned out to be one heck of a player for Missouri. If Aiden Shaw can turn out to be anything like Lawrence Bowers, well, we've done really, really well there. Bowers was a great college basketball player. You look at his offensive numbers, they're, they're kind of beyond belief in some ways. Just the, the percentages he shot from two, from three, making it a, you know decent from free throws as well. But the one thing that Bowers had, at least so far, that Shaw doesn't, because Shaw actually a slightly better offensive rating than Bowers had his freshman year. But again, just a lot of athleticism, a lot of potential shown in short bursts by both men. The one thing Bowers had, at least statistically on paper, that Shaw doesn't so far, just a little better of a block rate and certainly a more promising rebound rate as a true freshman. That's something that Shaw has got to get better at because especially with the way basketball has shifted, say, in the last in the last 14 years, since the two men were true freshmen on campus at Missouri, I think Shaw is pretty much going to have to be a center at some point. He certainly is going to be having, he's certainly going to have to be a rim protector, a rebounder on the defensive end of the court. Whether or not he's more perimeter oriented on the offensive end of the court or not is really kind of beyond the point. Obviously, he's going to be a rim runner. He is getting a lot of alley-oops as an above-the-rim player. That says he's kind of more of a center to me, too, as you start saying it, as I start talking about it out loud. So, obviously, that's the one thing where I think Shaw and Bowers are a little different. Bowers was more of your classic, you know, combo forward, maybe stretch four type player, a lengthy guy who could play on the perimeter. I think Shaw has those type of abilities, but ultimately, I just think, again, where basketball has gone and Shaw's 
even better ability to sort of dive to the rim and catch alley-oops. He sort of has seems to have the feel for that even more so than Bowers. That says that says a five-man to me, more than likely. So Shaw is definitely going to have to up his rebound rate. The good news is, while he hasn't completely done it yet, I do like his aggression and his passion. I think he's working on it, and I think you'll see Shaw really look like a different guy next year for Missouri. Bowers had a real breakout his sophomore season, so I'm expecting something similar from Aiden Shaw next year. But hey, thanks for the questions. Thanks for listening, as always. And you know what? Once again, check out Locked On College Basketball for everything you need to know about college hoops in a nice, tidy 25 or so minute package. Again, that's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So, until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.